Good morning. Good morning, Impact. Here and far, good morning. We're going to do things just a little differently, not just for the sake of doing things differently, but for the sake of really honoring God. Our worship team will be around in a, in a little while, so don't, don't fear, they're here. Sing. We're not, We're not going to sing, that's for sure. But what we want to do is... I know you want that, but it's not going to happen. You, we would really make the worship team look wonderful. <laughs> but we really want to focus on God. We want to, you know, we, we come in and we've said it so often. We come into church and we go through our motions. We go through our little ritual. We have our two or three songs. We, we have announcements. You know, we don't even take up an offering, but some people do. And we used to, and... We'll have the message and we go home. Have we really done anything other than follow just a template that we've said is Sunday morning church? And have we really touched God? Has our heart really opened and engaged with God? And that's what we want because only when our heart is engaged with God can we expect to see God move in our lives. If we just come in and we go through the motions, you know, the, the, the Lord told the nation of Israel, he was sick of their, their sacrifice. He was just going through the motions, the rituals. Their hearts weren't engaged with him. He said, you act like you're a nation that really wants to serve me, but your heart's not engaged with me. And we want our hearts to be engaged because I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles in your life. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to take an engaging with God's presence to see signs, wonders, and miracles, not a ritualistic service. And I want to just open with a scripture in Psalm 95. It says, let me start of the passion. It says, come on, everyone. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. You hear that? Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praises to our God who saved us. Everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Are you thankful today for what God has done for you? Has God done anything good for anyone this week? Yes, hallelujah. Okay, let's hear it. Here's a microphone. Let's hear it. Who wants to? Come on, I saw all these hands going up. Who's? All right, Kelly. What has God done for you? What are you thankful for? Well, as many of you know, that our, we've got our other two back home with us, but the third one is not back with us. And we didn't get the news that we wanted, but we know that she's safe and we know where she's at. And we still have access to her. And I was expecting to be a heartbroken mess, but I wasn't. And... I see the difference of where I was a year ago and where I am today. And I have God and God's army to thank for that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Here I comes somebody. Okay, Here comes come on, Karen. Karen. This will be fast, but it's great. There's a new baby in our family. Yeah. In Minnesota. That was fast. I saw Donna Gerlock's hand go up. Come on, Donna Gerlock. Yeah, you got to be careful with your hands around here. Do like this. If you when you raise your hand, you make a commitment. No, you know what? I'm just very thankful, and God showed me that I still have, even at the age of 28, I still have the, yeah, yeah, come on. You're a lot younger than I am. I'm only 39. I know, I know, I know. But you know what? I was working in my house, and I was doing Things that I didn't think I could do anymore. But I was pushing and pulling and moving furniture and washing carpets. That was a blessing because we all know that we have to enjoy and appreciate and be, we want to enjoy and appreciate and be thankful for our health. I had the health to work in my house this week 
and I'm very thankful. That's awesome. Who else? Okay, come on, Jeremy. Don't you love our young people being thankful to God? So after so many different hoops and stuff I had to jump through, I finally have my driver's license. Wow, yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. (laughs) That's a big deal. Stay off the road, yeah. (laughs) Anybody else? Okay, Miss Betsy. My son Graham has a three-year-old daughter that we hadn't seen in a very long time. And so the judge this week gave us uh, the ability to be able to see her every week. And it was so wonderful. And thanks for all the prayers. Awesome. Who's just grateful? Come on, you got something to say. Come on, I saw that hand slide up. lot to be thankful for. Thankful for, as you know, I left my job in Virginia when my husband retired. Um, Okay. (laughs) But anyway, um, so I don't have any income coming in. But I started a business. I've been praying and I've been doing my studying. And yesterday I received a blessing. (laughs) Dated 2014 from the IRS. Yeah. They don't usually send that kind of blessing from that many years ago. Come Maybe on, you should just cash that check real fast. You know. This is real quick. I'm just grateful for who he is and how much he loves me. Amen. Okay, anybody else? Come on. Come on, Suzanne. Come on, Caleb. To the guy who invented zero. Yes, um, well, thank you, Grandfather, for the shirt, first of all. And um, second, uh, recently, God has set me free from a massive addiction I had. Um, I won't go into details because there are young years in the room, so just leave Fantastic. it at that. But I have finally started to overcome this thing, and I am just relieved, if anything. Praise God. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. I just had such a blessed week this week. Um, when I'd been kind of home, taking a break from, from work a little bit because we've been slow and staying home and not really going out and doing all that much. And one day I said, you know what? I'm just going to stay out and do a bunch of things and tootle around today. Well, that ended up being such a blessed day for me because in the morning I went to the post office and I ended up talking about Jesus with the postal clerk. And then one of the doctors um, that I work with, he was in an awful accident. Well, he's back to work now and he's just been on my heart because I was praying for him. So I stopped in to see him, tell him I wanted to check up on him and see how he was doing and that I had been praying for him. And he was really blessed and thankful for that. And then I go to this thrift store, and I was walking around in the thrift store and started talking with the woman, and she just really opened up to me about all kinds of personal things. Well, come to find out, she's been married to this man for 37 years who's unsaved and struggling, and she's a good Christian woman, and we ended up talking about our 
Christian walks and being married to an unsaved spouse because my husband, bless his heart, was saved almost 11 years ago. Next week. Yay! (laughs) But it was 25 hard years to go through because when you don't walk in agreement with someone, it's very, very hard. And keeping that spiritual part of yourself that's so important away from the person that's supposed to be the closest to you and who won't accept it and doesn't understand it. Anyway, in both his and my walks recently in the last 10 years, God has used us in a way that we can minister to couples who one is saved and one is not. Well, I was there in the shop for probably an hour and a half, and the last 20 minutes was ministering to her and encouraging wow. her and getting her, her name is Suzanne. <laughs> so I told her that I would pray for her, her and her not husband. Todd, right? No, it's not Todd, it's Dennis. <laughs> that would have been too coincidental. Right, right. So it was just such a blessed day because I felt so used of God all day long. And to just encourage you and remind you to be open to that. Wherever you go, be open to interpersonal relationships where you can share your faith in Jesus and how good God is in your life. You had to make yourself available, didn't you? That's awesome. What a testimony. Okay. So most of you know my husband's been going through this with the prostate cancer for years. His numbers had got up, PSA got up to 93, and which they usually wanted around one. Um, so they decided they were going to do radiation again because the cancer had left the prostate and gone into the lymph nodes. So they'd have to uh, radiate that. Well, COVID hit, and they kind of put it on the back burner, but they started giving him the Elegard charts again. And then the oncologist called and said he's been resistant to the Elegard, so we're going to have to do something different. So mm-hmm. they do the PET scan. They do all these scans. So we had to go Monday. And now they're saying it was a bad reading, and his numbers are 0.32. Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. 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 Praise God. Here wow. comes Dan. Come on. Praise the Lord, right? I just, I was thinking, um, when Suzanne was up talking, wherever she went to, um, just about meeting people and God doing things and God, you know, we got some other testimony last night in prayer. And I just, um, I was reading the book of Joel a day or two ago and there's a verse in there. God, he's done great things. He's done great things. And I just, I've been thinking about that and that's just heavy on my heart. God has done great things and great things are yet to come. And I just, the testimony of my spirit is, You have no idea what God is getting ready to break out and do in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our nation. There, this is not a time to be discouraged. This is not a time to be fearful. This is not a time to be sitting on our butts doing nothing. This is a time to be walking with Jesus, living with Him, praising Him. And I want to get your sermon, but it's just, there's great things to come. There's great things to come. Awesome. Yes. Wow. The mic is still open. Anyone else? Here comes a, here comes one, Miss Melissa. She always has great testimonies. It's only because God is good. Yes. Um, but I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in my life. 
not only the things, but what he's doing in me. Because believe it or not, I have always been one of those people that I've stand, stand back and I'll say, golly, I, I know you spoke to me and I know you told me to do that, but then I didn't do it. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, um, but I can see where God is just opening that in me and putting me in a position where it's the little things. You know, God is teaching me that it doesn't have to be big things that you have, that you do for me. It's the small things that I ask for you to do for me. Um, and being obedient in that. And that's where you grow when you start small, just like a child and you grow up and you get bigger and bigger and, and it's just, it's just phenomenal. But the reason I'm saying this is this past, not this week, but last week, um, there was a lady that come into one of the businesses that I cleaned post office and, you know, she was, Oh, have you seen my keys? I've lost my keys. And she's a security person for, you know, several businesses. So it was one of the businesses keys that she had misplaced. And, um, so she was pantically and I said, well, you know, I'm helping her and everything. And, and I just, I walked over, she was over here and I walked over and I just started doing my cleaning again. And I just started praying, God, send forth your ministering angels, help her find those keys. You do know God can help you find your keys. (laughs) I'm telling you, if you don't know out there, God can help you find your keys. See, that's a small thing to some people. They're like, what? You know, but anyway, I started praying and, and, um, as she went out the door and she was in her car for a little while searching around. And as she was, as she was out in her car, um, I stepped out the door to clean the outside of the door and I was still praying. And she said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I went back in and I, I was still praying and it was probably about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, I was in another area and she come in and she said, I found my keys. And I said, thank you, Jesus. But you know, it's just one of those things where it was just the simplest thing of praying with her. She was in agreement with me and it just happened. It just happened. And God is good. And that's how he works. That's how good he is. That's because he loves us. That's because he cares for us. That's because he wants the best for us. No matter what. Woo! Hey. Woo! <laughs> wow, that's some awesome testimonies. Anybody else? One more go here. Anybody else? Okay, I know everyone. Okay, come on, Tammy. I kind of had a feeling you wanted to do something. I um, just wanted to thank the Lord because I've really, really, really had a tough couple of weeks, about three. And about two weeks ago, I really felt like the Lord told me to just find some really good scriptures and take those. And it was from one of your sermons. But just kind of put those strategically around the house and just start speaking that stuff over me. And Thursday was such a really bad day, but I took the time to do that and put them across the house. <laughs> and my daughter came over and we watched a movie. And I told her, I said, it's so strange. It's like this really dark cloud that just, it's just hovering. I just can't seem to break through it. <laughs> but Friday morning when I woke up, all of that was gone. <laughs> and I have had the best 
few days that I have had it, I can't tell you how long. God is so good when we're so obedient, and it was just the sweetest, simplest thing. It was just making sure that you take his word in every room that I've walked in. I've tried to pray these things over me in my life. And how God is just, he's so faithful and he's so good. That is beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. (coughs) Excuse me. Everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praise. Make him king God over all the other gods. In one hand, he holds the mysteries of the earth. In the other, he holds the highest mountain peaks. He's the owner of every ocean. The engineer and sculptor of earth itself. Come and kneel before the creator God. (coughs) Excuse me. Come and bow down before the mighty God, our majestic nature. I want you to just take about two minutes and just greet everybody with a holy hug. Okay, it's good to see the family love on each other. I just told Pastor Dan we're doing nothing according to schedule today. But we will get it all in, we're just not doing it according to schedule, which we really didn't have much of a schedule anyway. And they're paying me absolutely zero attention, that's okay. That's okay. You feel the energy in the room. You feel the love. Another scripture I wanted to read in Psalm 100 verse 4 says, You can pass, this is the passion, you can pass through his open gates with a password of praise. Isn't that awesome? 
Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. So we give thanks to God for what he's done for us. We give praise for his greatness and we worship him for who he is. We have to understand that worship's an attitude. Praise is an action. And I'm going to go right ahead into the message uh, because it just seems fitting at this point. We're talking about thriving in the midst of crisis, and the key on this is praise. We're talking about praise today. You know, we've been remembering words that we felt the Lord gave to us during the past year, and especially since the COVID crisis began. We said things like, decisions have got to be made. Which side of the line are you on? And as a believer, as a church, we have to understand which we're going to make a decision. Which Which side are we going to agree on? The past couple of weeks, we've been hearing, are you a part of the remnant? We've been saying this all week, but the past couple, I mean, all year, but the past couple of weeks, we've been saying, are we a part of the remnant church? Because we know God is saying there's a remnant church rising and he's almost demanding for the remnant church. And we say, oh, I want to be a part of the remnant. Remember over in Revelations, it tells us that Satan makes war against the remnant, right? So it's a church that is a church of warfare, We also heard that many times that the church has got to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We heard that we're in a Joseph season. We heard that back in March and April. And we knew that it was meant that there was a time of preparation for times that were coming. We also cautioned about the corona reset that was coming. Reset in our nation, reset in our church, reset in our personal lives. We've heard that the warfare we're in is spiritual and not about a person, a political party, an ethnic group. And if we don't, if we don't understand this, it's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of division that has, and we have seen that happen because we've tried to make it something it wasn't. We have to fight in the heavenly realm. I'll ask Terry if he will come up and share what he shared with our prayer group. This is something the Lord spoke to him just yesterday morning concerning this very thing. Now, this is good news. I like it when God speaks good news, which he always does. We're having a season in this nation of great difficulty. Would that be a a nod? Yes, that America and the world are going through difficult times. A lot of uncertainty. As I was listening to Holy Spirit, I wasn't having a conversation with him or God. I was just, I was the recipient. I love it that way. He said, we must step into that heavenly realm with God and free our minds and our spirits from the fray in the earthly realm. I heard specifically, quote, sin and rise above the fray, end quote. Some synonyms for the word fray are in a battle, in a fight, a scrabble, having a struggle in life, in the throes, in the midst of troubles. Our battles are fought and only won in the heavenly realm. You've heard this in this church for a number of years. We ascend into the heavenly realm with praise. And we descend into the earthly realm to overcome and destroy the plans of the enemy. Then I heard three words. We must maintain our residence in the heavenly realm. Not on earth. 
our residence is in heaven. While using our heavenly visa that stamped earth to perform our assignment on this earth. If we begin to transition into this reality, we will discover that all of our earthly desires and dreams will fade away and be replaced with God's plans and purposes. Then we will fully understand the reality of experiencing life with God with no delays. So important. We have to understand that we are only pilgrims in the earth and we have to stay above the fray. We have to stay above the battle. We have to see what's really going on. What is he saying? Let the let the people hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We've got to have that revelation. We were listening, I believe it was, was it Chuck Pierce and Cindy Jacobs yesterday, and, and Chuck was saying how important it is that we have that prophetic revelation. But let me tell you something, that's not walking around looking for the prophet, although that's important, I mean, to hear that. But every one of us have Holy Spirit inside of us. Every one of us can hear what the Spirit is saying. And it should be, we should be in agreement with the Word. You may not be in agreement with John Doe, but you you must be in agreement with the word. And so it's very important. And one of the other things we've heard is that we're also, we heard this way back in the spring, we're also Goshen people. Goshen people. And that's what I want to really start with today. But I want us to understand how is it that we get to be Goshen people? So what are Goshen people? Well, the word Goshen means pasture. If you look on the map and you'll see the land of Goshen, this nice fertile little triangle right there around the Nile River, when the rest of the uh, the area is kind of barren looking. So God kind of put his people in the best place, didn't he? And it's first mentioned, and w- those of us that are reading through the Bible, we've already read this, and we're actually re- already into the second Goshen. But with the first time we see it is when Joseph is second in charge in Egypt because of the famine. God placed him there after 13 years of spending in a prison being falsely accused, and you would think, well, God, what's up with this? You ever think that sometimes as you're going through, many times we can misinterpret those and think that, well, I must be out of God's will when we're really in God's will getting prepared for the for what he has for us. So Joseph was second in charge in Egypt, and he rescued his family out of the famine and brought them to Egypt and placed them in the land of Goshen. And this is what it says in Genesis 47. It says, meanwhile, the people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen in Egypt. There they acquired property, they were fruitful, and their population grew rapidly. And they grew so rapidly and they thrived so much that the Egyptians began to fear them. You know, we should have the world fearing the body of Christ, right? We should have this because of whose we are, because of inside of us. If we have enough of God's power working through it, the world should be in awe of the presence of God in our lives and in our church. They should be afraid to be to speak uh, words of, of offense toward the church and toward believers. And today, there's no respect for the church in general. It's easy for someone to criticize the church or make fun of Christians. That ought not be, right? That ought not to be. But they became so fruitful and they grew so quickly that the Egyptians became afraid of them. And so Pharaoh, the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, died. And he said, oh, boy, we got to put these people in bondage because they might overtake us. And so then we see that that uh, Moses actually does, is called by God after 430 years. Uh, Moses is called by God and God sends plagues. And you know the story. I'm just giving you an over, overview here. God sends plagues. The first one he sends is water to blood. The second one's frogs. The third one's gnats or lice. And then God says, you know, wait a minute, I'm going to make a distinction. And in Exodus chapter 8, it says, 
But this time I will spare the region of uh, Goshen. Now, there's no borders around Goshen. There's no big walls so the flies and and all the the locusts can't uh, go through. There's nothing because it's God who created everything. Where my people live, no flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. And so we see we should be the same today. There should be a distinction made. And regardless of what's going on in the earth, regardless of what's around us, regardless of what the news says, we are people that are favored by God. We are people that are even in a time of crisis or crises, we ourselves can be people of Goshen. And I believe that's exactly what the Lord was saying when he spoke this to us back in the spring. Don't worry about what's coming. Don't worry about a plague. Don't worry about COVID. Don't worry about people losing their jobs. Don't worry about businesses closing. God is going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. And just as the people of of Israel had a divine covenant with God, we also have a divine covenant with God, do we not? If we've got the blood. Now, when they left Egypt, how did they leave? They left because they had blood on their doorpost, right? And, you know, God gave them so much favor, the Egyptians were just giving them all this stuff cattle and gold and silver and all this stuff. See, that's what God does. That's the way God operates. He didn't have them leaving with just barely enough to get by. You know, so, but God divinely led them. And symbolically, the people of Israel represent a covenant people that only those under the blood are protected by God. Let me tell you, today, only those under the blood are protected by God. Only those under the blood are the covenant children. Only those under the blood are the ones who can say, these are my promises, this is my word. So God leads the uh, Israelites out of bondage and the trek begins into the promised land. But God tells his people, he says, I want you to remember something. I want you to tell your kids this. And that's, that's why testimonies are so important. Testimonies are so important. And when we go through, when we have a testimony, it's only because we've had a test, right, in most cases. So testimonies are so important. So Deuteronomy, he says, talking about the church, then you got to tell these kids, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Oh, we lived through the great coronavirus of, of 2019, 2020. We lived, but God protected us. God secured for us. God, God provided for us. We have to tell, it says, the Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all of his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give to our ancestors. How many of you know you've got a blessing God has promised to you? you got to see the blessing. If, if you can't see it, you'll never have it. If you can't see health, you're never going to have health. You're just going to see sickness. Too many people remain victims of what the enemy has given to them. And they disregard the promises that God has made available for us. So it says, he brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done this day. For we will be counted as righteous... And we obey all the commands. When we obey all the commands, the Lord our God has given us. So God set up, and I'm just kind of fast forwarding here. God set up a system of sacrifices that were made on a daily basis. Animal sacrifices, you know it. And the sacrifices intentionally involved the whole, pe- the whole person in acts of worship. And by sacrificing animals, the worshiper demonstrated his faith. And it was their way, their access to God was through obedience to this plan that God had put into place. Because I'm sitting here thinking as I'm reading this story, all these people in the land of Goshen, they served other gods. What's up with this God? You know, we're begging you for signs, wonders, and miracles. What's up with all of this? Something is missing here in this picture. 
but it was because they were under the covenant, because God had identified them as his people. And as long as they obeyed what he said for them to do, they were part of the covenant. And these sacrifices also offered a pathway for them to have access to God. And you know that if you study all, you know, we're reading through Exodus even right now. But see, today he's made a better sacrifice, a better promise, a better covenant with us. And we no longer need the blood of animals. Aren't you glad? Ron and Duke, aren't you glad you're not up here cleaning up blood every week off the off the uh, carpet? That would be horrible, wouldn't it? Animal stuff all over the place. We no longer need that. God's opened a way for us to have relationship. And that way is through Christ. And I want to give you, this is a quote from uh, the survey of the Old Testament, Williams and Horton. And it says, the whole sacrificial system Look forward to fulfillment in the perfect sacrifice for all sin. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his death and resurrection took away all barriers to fellowship with God. We can enter boldly now into his presence. Do we understand this? That you can enter boldly into the presence of God. And it says, the Old Testament sacrificial system expresses through the images of forgiveness and reconciliation, healing and purification and payment of death. So the people had their sacrificial system, which was their pathway to a relationship with God. And, you know, we say, well, I'm not under that old system. And we're not. We're not. But we do have a sacrificial system that we have to, uh, that we're obligated to. First Peter 2, 5. And it says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So there is a spiritual sacrificial system that we have to be a part of, that we have to, that we have to be willing to participate in. Uh, Romans 12 and 1. We always want to quote 12 too, don't we? It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. Now, what's a sacrifice? If I sacrifice for someone, that means it's painful sometimes, or maybe I don't really want to do it, right? If I sacrifice for Kelly and give her $20, it's probably because I only had 20 That's a sacrifice. If I had 20000 it would be no big sacrifice, right? But it was an inconvenience. It was something that I did, maybe something that's even working a little bit against the flesh. So it says, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. So it's our spirit. So we, we, the key to getting to God's supernatural intervention in our times of crisis is a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. And we have to understand that there are, there is power in spiritual worship. And I think we have missed it for so long because we have herded people in on Sunday mornings. We've given them this, like I said, a template we go by. Okay, you be nice little sheep, bring your little, Bring your little voice and let's let's sing what the words that are on the slides. And and hearts don't get engaged in every case. In some cases there are. I mean everybody's an individual. But we go through the motions and we go through the motions. Well, how do you know it's not working, Donna? Look at our world. Look at our homes. Look at our nation. It's not working. Something's not working. And so we see, so we, what we've been doing has not worked. It's not necessarily the system, but it's, it's understanding the heart that has to be engaged with God to see the promises of God in our life. And we can come to church all day long and never receive a promise of God because people do it. We can come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday night and not know Jesus as Lord and Savior because people do it. People spend their lives come into church, and, and they almost have a love affair with ministry or with, with the church system. 
because we are, we are taught how to follow the program, right? Jesus says, I just want you to follow my heart. I just want you to imitate me. I want you to love God with all your heart and love your neighbors. You love yourself. He said, I want worship that is in spirit and in truth. And so we have to understand that, that there is a sacrifice of praise that has to be made. Let's look at Hebrews thirteen fifteen. It says, through him, this is the ESV, let us continually. What does it mean to be continually doing something? All the time. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Listen to this. That's the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. So what is praise? It's words coming out of our mouth, right? It's sounds that are made. Praise is the fruit of our lips. It's not sitting here following a song, you know, singing in rote to a song. It's not even playing the song in your head. It's what we do with the fruit of our lips. We praise God with the fruit of our lips. Let me give this to you in passion. It says, so we no longer offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices, for through Jesus we will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. I love this. These are the lambs we offer from our lips that celebrate his name. Is that not beautiful? These are the lambs we offer with our lips that celebrate his name. You know, Proverbs 18, 20 tells us life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. James 3, 6 tells us the tongue, the words we speak, are the most dangerous part of the entire body. It sets the whole course of our life by the words that we speak. Also in James, it says you shouldn't be allowing blessing and to become the same place, right? From the same tongue. So what we do with our tongue determines the course of our life, and praising God can set a course in action for creating heaven on earth for us. Can I repeat that again? Because I didn't get a bunch of amens on that. What we do with our tongue determines the course of our life and praising God can set a course for creating heaven on earth in any situation. Regardless of the crisis we go through. Regardless of the crisis. And then we might go through the crisis, but we're going through the crisis. And in the midst of the crisis, we're going to know God is with us. He's blessing. He's prospering. He's providing. He's delivering. You know, David understood the importance of praise. Let me, do, let me go back and, and just give you a definition. The Bible Sense Lexicon says praise is simply offering words of homage as an act of worship. It's words, words. We offer words. So when I come in and I say, let's praise God, and as Deborah said last night in prayer, sometimes you're the only one I hear. We should have voices going so loud that you can't even tell who's really leading it. Because we're so excited about the things that, you know, remember, praise is all about the greatness of God. It's declaring his greatness. Thanksgiving is declaring what he has done for us, like all of you guys did this morning. But see, out of Thanksgiving, praise can flow because we understand the goodness and the greatness of our God. And sacrifice is simply that word offering, and it refers to something presented to a God or a deity for acceptance or rejection often referring to sacrifices like in the animals. But David understood the importance of praising God. Psalm 34, 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I want to ask us, what are we, what are we, what's coming out of our mouth most of the time? You know, when we're in our car, it's a great time to praise God. It's a great time to praise God. We praise him continually. When you're going through the grocery store, you can be praising God. You don't have to be screaming and making a scene, you know, but what you can do is just praising, speaking words to God. 
Psalm 78, 71.8 says, My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. All the day. Let's see, how are we doing with this? Psalm 109.30 says, With my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. That's the church, the temple, the sanctuary. So when I'm here, to, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to let his words go. I'm going to let God know what I think about him. So we also see that praise releases some things in our life. And how many of you right now need an intervention in your life for something? A, a child? Financial situation? A health situation? You know, I've visited a lot of people that are sick, and, it's, and sometimes it's, it's a little discouraging to go in and see that their whole day is filled watching TV instead of praising and speaking what God says about them. And it, sometimes it's, it's pretty discouraging because I'm thinking, okay, I'll go in there and I'll pray. But how much effect is it having? What is the atmosphere being filled with in, the, in that room, in that hospital room or that house? Is it filled with bang, bang, shoot them up? Is it filled with music that's not of God? Or not, maybe it's not even bad music. It's just not bringing glory to God. I think if I were critically ill, I would be offering up praises all day long, continually offering up praises. So praise releases the supernatural intervention of God. Psalm 22.3 tells us where God lives. Now, how many want God in your house? Offer up praise. When you leave, you know, now with the internet and all that, we can just turn our computers on and have praise going 24-7 in our home. It says, but you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of God, praises of Israel are offered. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. That's God's address if you want to know where he lives. God is enthroned. He lives in our praises. So if you need God, see, so if we're not praising God, how do we expect, okay, God, come on in and do something. Well, he's not there because we're not praising him. But if we're praising him, he automatically moves. He automatically sets free. He automatically heals because that's who he is. Acts 16, this is very familiar. Paul and Silas, undaunted. Prayed in the middle of the night. Undaunted because they were yeah, they were in chains, by the way. Undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. And then suddenly, see, they were, they were singing praises all night long. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. And all at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. I wonder if they had not been singing songs of praise if God would have sent an earthquake. I don't know. I just wonder. But the fact that they were singing songs of praise is probably why they were Paul and Silas, right? So praise, as I said, declares the glory of God. It's an action that comes from an attitude. Worship is an attitude. You look at the scripture, we see worship, we bow down to God. It's an attitude of the heart. And out of an attitude of worship, praise can come forth in thanksgiving. Praise releases the supernatural because God is present at the time. And if we want to know, if we need the supernatural released in our life, all we have to do is praise God for his, his faithfulness to his word. Now, you should have gotten, this is an old sheet I gave you, that's got the names of God. This is just some of the names of God. But I think it covers about every area of life that we need. So it just began to thank God. I thank you that you're my provider. You don't even have to say the Hebrew names. You know, Jehovah Jireh. But, you know, God, I thank you that you're my provider. God, I thank you that you're my healer, Jehovah Rapha. I thank you, God, because your word declares that you heal all of my sicknesses and all of my diseases. I thank you, God, that you're present with me, Jehovah Shammah, that you're my righteousness. 
You're my Jehovah Sidkenu. You're my sanctifier. God, I thank you that you sanctify me by the washing of the water of the word. See, we, we thank God for this because this is who he says he is. And all we're doing is saying back to him who he said, this is who I want to be to us. This is what he wants to be to the body of Christ. And so as we begin to call upon that name, he begins to inhabit our praises. And I believe he, that word never returns void, does it? We know the word. If he would say, God, you're my healer, it doesn't return void. God is my healer. Now, his healing might be a plan, right? Could be a miracle. I don't know. God works with us. His healing for your finances might be a plan. Could be a miracle. Could be both, right? If you've got, you got a problem that you're dealing with and the enemy's coming at you, we need to pray for God to, to you know, be our deliverer. Our, our, he needs to be our, our Jehovah Nisi, the banner over us, that banner of victory in our lives. So praise is recognizing the greatness of God. Second Chronicles 20. I used this so much, I almost didn't want to use it. But it says, And when he had taken counsel with the people, Jehoshaphat, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. We hear this all the time. Judah goes first, right? Praise always goes first. As they went before the army and they said, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. This is what they said. And they just repeated it. And they repeated it. And they repeated it. You know, you don't have to have a a thousand different scripture verses. Find something that applies to what your situation is and thank God for it. God, I thank you. You're my healer. I thank you what your word says. I thank you, God, you're my provider. Your word says that you provide, that you give to me everything I need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I thank you, God, for that. And then it says, give thanks to the Lord. And this is a key word, and when. And when. They began to sing praise and praise the Lord. The Lord set an ambush before all the enemy, and he routed the enemy. He brought confusion. Some of you guys might be having a, a battle. You know, I was, I've told this story before. Maybe you haven't all heard it. We had an associate pastor here several, many years ago, eight or ten years ago. And somebody came in that we'd been helping. And, um, and because we chose not to help them anymore unless they took a drug screen, which we heard they were selling the stuff that we gave them. So he left, he left the office over there, and he called me every name that I, I didn't even know what some of them meant. I hadn't heard some of those. And then as the associate pastor walked up to him and just, just touched he said, now, come on, it's time to leave. And then, so he, he left. Next thing we know, there's a warrant being served on our associate pastor for assault. And, of course, we knew it was a bunch of junk. So, we, you know, the court date comes, and we're all praying. And we, this is what we pray. God, let a spirit of stupor come over this man. Sure enough, we sit, we're sitting in court. And and our pastor sitting there beside of the uh, attorney friend that we had, and he he was so gracious to represent us free of charge because he knew how ridiculous it was. And the guy gets on the stand, and the prosecutor says, "Mr. So and So, do you see the person who assaulted you?" And he's looking like this. He's I don't see him. And the pastor said, "About that time, he felt something just come down over him like a veil." And the prosecutor said one more time. He said, "Mr. So and So." Look again, do you see the person? And he said, no, I don't see him. And, of course, our attorney stood up and said, I moved that this be dismissed, and there it went, and did. And as soon as the guy got up from the stand, he walked this way, and he said, oh, there he is. Well, he said, I see him. I don't see him, but I see his attorney. Now, that, is that something? And then he stands up and says, oh, there he is. You see what God will do for you? God does the same thing today that he did 4,000 years ago if we'll trust him and let him. We were praising God. We were here that morning praising God and praying, God, let a spirit of stupor fall because we knew that it was wrong. We knew that it was wrong. 
God will do the same thing for you today. And I loved it when he said, I felt a veil come down over me. Is that not incredible what our God will do? That word praise is the word tehillah, and it denotes being sincerely and deeply thankful in such a way that you are verbalizing it vocally. You're so deeply thankful that you're verbalized with, and it says, uh, enlauding a superior quality or qualities or great, great, great acts of the object. That's God. So praise is an act of giving thanks. So, you know, when you feel like there's no way out, when you're surrounded by the enemy, God will show up for you. God will show up for you. And, you know, I have a feeling these people weren't perfect, the Israelites. I have a feeling they were doing a few wrong things. Usually they did, right? That's usually when God sent the enemies when they had kind of messed up a little bit. Well, you know what? God has grace and mercy, and God will extend grace and mercy to you, to me, when we need it. If we just repent and, and, and we get, you know, get rid of our pride and allow humility to come into our life. So he brings supernatural intervention. He also brings supernatural blessings. Uh, so in, in Psalm 67, it says, May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest, our, and God, our God, will richly bless us. I love these words, when and then. When we praise God, then the earth will yield It's harvest. Praising God, continually praising God. I love this one, 2 Samuel 6, verse 11 through 12. It says, And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. It was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of the Lord. Now, what does the ark represent? The presence of God. How does the presence come? Through praise. Now, okay, so I'm, you know, I got to find out a little bit about this. So I go in and I start researching Obed Edom. Who was this guy named Obed Edom? If we go over the First Chronicles 15, and many of the commentators believe that he's the same Obed Edom in chapter 15 that was in chapter uh, 6 of Second Samuel and 13 of First Chronicles, that he was part of the Levitical choir that sang joyful songs and praise to God. So Obed Edom was a worshiper. He sang praises. 30, 90 days, 90 days the ark was there, and he was so blessed. People were running to David and saying, hey, you better do something. Obed-Edom's blessed, and everything that belongs to him is blessed. And he said, well, that's coincidental, but I had never thought about this until now, until this week. Actually, yesterday, never thought about this. Prior to Obed-Edom getting the ark, do you remember who had it? Benadab. Remember that? 20 years Abinadab had this ark. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say Abinadab was blessed like this. It said Eleazar was his son who was consecrated to care for the ark. And then after 20 years, when David got it, they put it on a cart, you know, the story, and they start crossing the threshing floor. And Eleazar is nowhere in sight anyway, so we don't know what happened to him. But for 20 years, it sat there, and nowhere does it say Abinadab's house was blessed richly. They start coming across the threshing floor. The cart, the oxen stumble. The cart starts to fall. What does Uzzah do? He sticks up his hands. And he touches the ark, and what happens? God kills him. And David was all upset about that, and that's why Obed-Edom got it for 90 days. Well, what, what was really happening? What was really happening there? This is what I think. I think for 20 years, they had gotten so used to the ark being in their presence. They were so familiar with the presence of God. They didn't even do it the way they should have done it to bring it out of Abinadab's house. 
And I think they were so familiar with the presence of God that it was not, oh, I'll just stop it right here. And they know they're not supposed to be. Or either Abinadab and Eleazar never gave the instructions on how to do it. You know, the poles were never to leave the side of the ark. Man was never to carry the ark. Or man was only to carry the ark. I'm sorry, animal was never meant to carry the ark. Only man was meant to carry the ark. And I think sometimes we too can get so familiar with the church, so familiar with the presence of God, that we come in and we just go through the motions. And we sing great songs and the worship team singing their heart out maybe. And maybe two or three throughout the crowd are getting, you know, really engaging. The rest of us just sitting here. You know, what are we having for lunch? I wonder, oh, Mexican again? I don't know. I can't even tell you. I'm going to go somewhere. You know, we're thinking about, I wonder what the kids are doing now. I wonder if they're in church. You know, so we're doing all this stuff and we're never really engaged with God because he has become so familiar to us. He's become so familiar. Praise also releases supernatural favor. Acts 2, 46 and 47, this is the early church, says daily they met together. Daily. How come they had to come to church every day? Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life or being saved. The church continually praised God. They met every day and they praised God. And great favor came on the church. Again, Psalm 22.3, I've given you this. God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 16.11 says, You will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That word pleasures means things that you are given that make you happy. So see, God's more than just giving you enough to get by. He wants you to be happy. Melissa, she's with the youth. He wants you to have that new car that you wanted as long as it doesn't have you. God doesn't care how wealthy you are as long as it doesn't have our hearts, right? He knows what we can handle. He doesn't care what size house you have or how many as long as it doesn't have our hearts. And so that's the important thing is, are we praising God for who he is or what he can give to us? God lives where his praises are offered, and in his presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 92, another one about the faith. How many of us have quoted Psalm 91? I'm sorry, Psalm 91. How many of us have quoted Psalm 91 forever? Right, we've lived on that, right? We've made decisions based on Psalm 91. Would you realize that all the promises that's found in Psalm 91 depend upon praise. Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord. What is that? Praise. I will say of the Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God. I will say of the Lord, on him I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. And then there's that word. And then, then he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Then he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. When? When? Then? When? Then? God moves when? He moves when we praise him. Let me give you the promises of Psalm 91. He says, I will rescue him. How many of us need to be rescued from something? That's delivered, a cause to escape from a situation. Maybe we're in a situation we need to get out of. How many in here like to get out of debt? That's a situation, right? 
Everybody but Leslie. Leslie, I think, said she was debt-free. Right? Well, God can deliver you, Lori. God can deliver you from that. How about, he says, I will protect him. That means he said, I'm going to set you on a high place. What? After we praise God. He says, I'm going to answer you when you call. When? After you praise God. I'm going to be with you in trouble. When? After you praise God. In afflictions, in distress. I'm going to deliver him again. I'm going to rescue you and bring you to safety. When? After you praise God. And I'm going to honor him. God's going to honor you. That means to make you wealthy, to make you strong. It says to make you heavy, but that means with, that doesn't mean fat. That's the Hebrew word. But to be strong. He says also with long life, I'm going to satisfy you. When? When we, when we acknowledge who God is. And then it finally says, I'm going to show you my salvation. I'm going to let you see my deliverance and my victory. When? When you praise me. Do we ever think that we don't praise God enough? Oh, wow, yes. With long life, I will satisfy you to have abundance in the journey. How many need abundance in your journey? How many want abundance in your journey? I tell you, God God wants to give to us all that, that we can handle. But as we praise God, we're showing God that our praises and our affections are really upon Him. They're really upon Him. It's not about things. We read a scripture, I believe it was in Proverbs 21, down a little ways, 24, 25. I don't have it with me, but it was in the um, Passion. And it said, if we offer any gift to God with an ulterior motive, that we're being hypocritical. So if we're in even, oh, God, I'm going to praise you so I can get this big car, this big house, this, you know, whatever. That's an ulterior motive. I just want to praise you because you are. Praise you because you're wonderful. Praise you because you're great. See, there's no ulterior motive. And then all of this stuff is going to come anyway, right? I don't want to praise you so I can get a house or a car or a $1,000 check or whatever. I'm going to praise you because you are. I'm going to praise you because you are. One final scripture, and this is a powerful, we love this scripture here, Psalm 149. This is out of the Passion. I want you to listen to this and read it along with me. It says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand new song so that all his holy people will hear how wonderful he is. We got, we got to get rid of the same old worn out stuff, you know. What, that's why we like testimonies. That's a new song. All you got, got up here and gave God testimony, that was a new song of praise coming out of your heart. That was a new song of praise. Now, well, I'm so, I'm so, you know, you mentioned getting your license, Jeremy. You know, I got my license a little longer ago than you did. So, uh, and so I would say, oh, thank you, God, that I got my license 50, 60, whatever it was years ago. You know, I'm, thank you, God, that I did. Thank you, God, that you, that you saved my, my children 40 years ago. What's he doing today for us? We need to have current, up-to-date testimonies. What's he doing today? Are we still living on those worn-out testimonies? I'm tired of talking about Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Kuhlman, to be honest with you. I'm so tired. I mean, they're wonderful people. What's God doing today? What's he doing today? God's the same God today as he was then. God's the same supernatural God. God will bring deliverance. God will bring deliverance. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand song so that all his holy people will hear how wonderful he is. May Israel be enthused with joy because of him. May the church be enthused with joy, filled with joy because of God. And may the sons of Zion pour out their joyful praises to their king. How many are sons of God in here? Every one of us should be raising our hand. We should be pouring out our joyful praises to our king.
break forth with dancing. Now, that's going a little bit too far. We need to be breaking forth with some dancing in here. Regardless of how many moves you don't have. Make music and sing God's praises with the rhythm of drums, Stevenson. What a great, he's the best drummer in the world, I think. Well, you need to make music and sing the drums or war drums. I'm telling you, he does something in the heavens. For he enjoys his faithful lovers. He adorns the humble with his beauty and he loves to give them the victory. His godly lovers triumph in the glory of God and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. We're in a warfare. We don't need to be talking about who's sitting in the White House. We need to be talking about the powers and principalities that put them there. Right? They're just pawns. They're just pawns. The powers and principalities. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing force and every resistant power. To bind kings with their chains and rulers with iron shackles. Jeremy mentioned he was broken free from an addiction. You know what that was, Jeremy? That was a king of darkness. I mean, excuse me, Caleb. That was a king of darkness that had you in chains, whatever that was. See, praise and serving God breaks those chains. Whatever it is, your addiction might be food. It might be just workaholism. It might be alcohol or drugs. It could be talking, gossip. It could be technology. It could be so many things. Anything that steals our affection away from God. What did they? Something's got our heart in a chain. A king, the kings of darkness have got our heart in a chain. There's many people whose eyes have been blinded by the, the God of this world. We need to break those things off of the lives of people. Praise will do it. To bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors. Who is that? Will enforce the judgment doom decreed against their enemies. Let me tell you something. God has decreed judgment against the enemy. Against the powers of darkness. Are we praise-filled warriors? Are we just walking around mumbling and complaining and griping and all this other? Are we victims of our past? Are we warriors of our present and our future? That's who we have to be. We've got to get rid of the past. Quit talking about what happened 20 and 30 and 50 years ago. What are you doing today? As long as we stay in the past, we're never going to be accomplishing anything for God. This is the glorious honor he gives to all his godly lovers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And some of you, I think, may be struggling with an issue that you need a supernatural breakthrough in. <clears throat> Some type of oppression. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's, you know, we're dealing a lot with uh, anxiety and depression, especially in our Luke 4, 18 on Wednesday nights. You ought not to have that. You ought not to have that. Number one, find out if there's a physiological choice. If there's something out of balance, get it fixed. Secondly, get rid of it. It's just an oppressing spirit. It's just an oppressing spirit. Quit living in the past of the traumas that happened. God has set us free, right? He has set us free. We've got neural pathways that God wants to form that are positive, right? How do we do this? Romans 12, 1 and 2. We transform our mind by the what? The Word of God. We begin to. We saw this Wednesday night, Dr. Caroline Leaf and others, other genetic, geneticists are telling us that when we begin to speak positive things, we literally rewire the brain. God knew that. That's why I said life and death in the power of the tongue. It's very hard to work with somebody if they don't change their language. It's very hard. It's almost impossible if, they, if they're not willing to change their thoughts and their language. But maybe, you know, how about poverty? 
Are you tired? Are you, look through your family line. We looked at the generational stuff. Are you tired of having, well, you know, nobody in my family's ever made it, so I guess I won't either. Well, you won't. But unless you say, you know, my God supplies all of my needs. He's given me witty inventions. He's given me witty inventions. This little guy ran into uh, Friday. He told me he was 27, I think, or 28. He said, nobody in my family's ever had a business till me. And he was so excited. So excited. Little Hispanic guy. And he told me he quit going to church because of the hypocrites. I said, well, there's no hypocrites in your business. You know. But he let me pray for him. Well, God's going to make it because he's got the, he had the spirit of God all over him. The light of God was shining on him, just like what you're talking about, Suzanne. God's going to bring us to those people to connect. And we have to speak life into them and speak encouragement into these people, especially this younger generation. We've got to encourage them because they haven't always heard positive things. Many of them heard what they can't do more than what they can do. Sickness, trouble, fears. We should not fear coronavirus. If you read the real medical reports, you really see why you shouldn't fear it. But, you know, there's a demon of fear that's going through our nation that's trying to keep people. If you fear, controls people. Fear brings control. And it's it's just an opportunity for, for the enemy, that Jezebel, that spirit of Baal and all the others to take hold in our nation. Take hold in our nation. I wasn't going to do that. I'm going to tell a dream I had yesterday morning. It's a spiritual dream. And I was in a place uh, like a stadium. And I was sitting here with several people. I didn't know anybody in the dream except three people sitting over about right here where Lana's at. And it was Joe Biden, Jill Biden, and Nancy Pelosi. And and I was just sitting there. I thought, and I, nothing was going on on the field. There was no court or anything. We were just all sitting there like we were in a sports event. Everybody around me was talking about pro-values, like pro-life and all these things. And then and then the, it was made, it was said that something about election fraud. And Miss Pelosi gets up and comes and stands right in front of me and says something, which I have no clue what she said, no clue. And when she turned around, her face became distorted, very distorted. And on the side of her face was like a, a just a blank page, and it was a huge eyeball, like a cyclops. And, and as I was awakening, I heard, your battle is not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. So I looked up Cyclops. And what it meant, you know, there's three primary spirits that are associated with Cyclops. But this is what they mean. It means lawlessness. It means uh, bringing unrest and storms. They devour flesh. They actually ate humans alive. And they want to control the people. That's what the spirit of Cyclops that's associated with that. But what the whole point was, the Lord was saying, it's not flesh and blood. It's not about those people. It's about the spirit that's driving those people. And it doesn't matter who they are. If they're, un- if they're acting ungodly, it's a spirit that's driving people. And that's what we as a nation have to recognize. So we, if we give praise to our God, he can bring supernatural intervention and bring this thing that, let's, like Terry said, don't get caught up in the fray. Let's keep in our resonance in heaven, Right? And let's begin to hear what God is. Let's get those, those spiritual declarations and let's tear down strongholds over our city and over our nation. Let's stand, if you will. I want us to praise God. And I want to hear you.
praising God. Is anybody ready to praise with me? And if you want to gather around the front, that's okay. You don't have to, but if you want to, I'd love for you to. And I want us to proclaim the greatness of God. And whatever it is that you need from him, proclaim that greatness because that's who he says he is. You know, he told us his name for a reason. You know, he said, Moses said, how are you going to, well, who am I going to tell him sent me? He said, I am sent you. Who is I am? He's your provider. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's everything. He's your extraordinary strategist. He's your banner of victory. He's whatever you need. He said, you can find a name for God for whatever you need. God wants to do and wants to show you that part of himself. So I want us just to, we're not going to have music. You don't, you know, I want to get you pumped up with music. We're going to have music in a few minutes. I want us just to praise God for who he is. So, Father, we thank you, God, that you are God. We bless your holy name. God, your name that is above every name. The name, O oh God, that every knee has to bow to, Lord. The knee of sickness must bow its knee to Jehovah Rapha. The knee of lack must bow its knee to Jehovah Jireh. And God, we declare your greatness in this place today. We declare your great deliverance for your people in this place today. We declare salvation in the lives of people in this place today. We thank you, Father God, for all that you are. Your word never returns void. Your name never returns void. And we give you praise, God. We thank you, God. We can't thank you enough for all you've done for us, holy God. I thank you, God, that you do. You lead us into your sanctification. You lead us into your righteousness, God, through the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you, God, that you never leave us. You never forsake us. That you, Lord, you're Jehovah Shalom, our God of peace, our God of deliverance, our God of salvation. Thank you, God. We bless your mighty name. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing lacking from you, holy God. Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. And we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory and praise. We give you glory and praise. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, let your intervention move in the lives of people, Father, in this place that need that need a supernatural intervention, Lord. They need an earthquake to happen, Lord. God, you're, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you did it for Paul and Silas, you'll do it for us, holy God. If you did it for Jehoshaphat, you'll do it for us. If you did it for the nation of Israel, you'll do it for us. God, we thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless your mighty name. Bless your mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. We shout praises to our God. We shout praises to our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the Lion of Judah roar in the presence of God. Hallelujah. 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 Bless you, Lord. We can't say it loud enough. We can't say it enough, God. God, we just praise you. Thank you, God, for the healing that's taking place even now in this place. Thank you, God, that you're manifesting as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Lord, I thank you for the, for the Jehovah Jireh that's manifesting in this place. Provision, Father God. 
Not just financial, not just material, but God, supernatural intervention in situations, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for breaking chains and breaking bondages and addictions in this place. Thank you, God. That's what you do because at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Thank you, God. We can't thank you enough. We cannot thank you enough. We cannot bless you enough. Blessed be the Lord Jehovah God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You know what? We want to seal this right now with communion. And all of you should have your communion cups. I'm going to ask Pastor Dan if he will come. Well, now, there we go. There we go. I don't have to work real hard as a worship leader when y'all are worked up like that. Praise the Lord. It is so incredible to be able to come together in the presence of the Lord and to remember his sacrifice for us. I, I just want to read a little bit as we start. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. And Paul says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, and an agreement an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, I love this, you are proclaiming the Lord's death. Until he comes. We talked about how our words, our words help us enter into the heavenly realm. We are proclaiming to the world. We are proclaiming to one another. We are proclaiming to our souls, our spirits. We are proclaiming the blood of Jesus. This is no different than the people at the Passover time who took the sacrificial lamb and painted the blood on the doorposts of their house. This is what we do when we proclaim the blood of Jesus. We are declaring that we are in his realm. We are declaring that we are in his Goshen, his land of blessing. What an incredible privilege. And so um, if you have your little, if, if you have fingers that are even fatter than mine, I, I'm sorry for this because these are a little bit challenging for people like me. But let's first take the bread and we'll pray over it and then we're going to take it together. Lord Jesus, you said that this bread is your body broken for us. It's just to me, it's a wonder. The only person who ever came into this world who was fully whole and you were broken for us so that those of us who are broken could be made whole. Lord, it's your sacrifice, your grace. We thank you for this. We bless you and we receive it together. Now the tricky part, opening this without spilling it. Right. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We thank you that by proclaiming you and your lordship over our life, by claiming the blood of Jesus, we put ourselves into the realm of your blessing. You've covered us. The old is gone. Whatever failures that we've had, whatever brokennesses, whatever addictions, whatever misguided 
actions that we've taken in the past, whatever's been done to us. Your blood covers. Your blood covers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood of life. Thank you for your life. We bless you and we receive it together. While uh, the worship team is coming forward, I want us. I want to ask Karen. Is she still here, Karen Grindley? Come on, Karen. We want to pray for our our nation, but our community. And Karen, has, maybe she doesn't have all the information, but she has a little bit about what's going on in our schools. And we want to pray today for our schools. Thank you, Pastor Donna. I'm sure you're all well aware of the challenges that many of our schools face, and the challenges are becoming higher and deeper and thicker every day because we don't have support from the leadership in our government. And so I want to ask you and invite you to help us support our schools by making ourselves aware of what's going on and talking with each other and spreading the news about what's going on and then praying for guidance on what we can do. Dear Lord, please help us to support our teachers, our government leadership, and our parents so that they can do their part. Everyone can do their part to pay attention to what our children are learning We are responsible for what they learn, and we know that, but we know that we need your guidance as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Karen. There are some efforts to get a very um, ungodly curriculum in our schools, in our county, in our state, and we've got our lieutenant governor standing up against this. Thank God for a godly man there in leadership, but, you know, it's just just the end the agenda of the enemy is what it is. And we, we don't want our children's minds to be molded by this type of information. So we have to pray. Remember, we're not fighting flesh and blood. It's powers and principalities. And Caleb said this the other couple weeks ago. He said, he was quoting Abraham Lincoln. He said, the philosophy that's in the schoolrooms in one generation will be the philosophy in the government in the next. So we need to be praying that we have a godly philosophy in our schools, godly teachers, godly superintendents, godly people on our board of election, board of education. We need to, be, we need to know what they stand for and what they don't stand for. I told you when we went to vote one, this recently, this past time in November, one of the people that we knew personally asked me, are you going to vote for me? And I said, I'm sorry, I can't. Because you've aligned yourself with a platform that if you bring curriculum into the schools, it's going to be an ungodly curriculum. And she said, I don't believe in that. I said, but you've aligned yourself with a platform that does. And I can't trust that you will not follow that platform. And this is a good person. But we have to know. We have to to call people to be accountable for what they're standing for. It's not about a person, party. Ethnicity is about the powers and principalities that are trying to take over this nation.
take over our cities and take over our schools. The other thing is I want to encourage parents to be parents. I've had more than one parent say to me, well, I've, even, I've even had this conversation with my own children. Well, we went to this church, but they didn't have this for the youth or they didn't have that for the children. And this is what I said to even my own children one time. My son's listening. He, he was earlier. What can you do there? Maybe God is sending you there to bring something He wants that church. It's not always that. See, we're, we're such a self-centered uh, generation of people. We're all this way. He's an incredible person. And he heated because I think he's working with youth now where he's going. But if it, you know, if, if parents will be parents and be the Deuteronomy 6 parents, and all the child's spiritual education should be taking place at home, and then the church should be supplementing that, not the other way around. Amen. So we need to be asking God, what can I, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? What can I do? Can I serve you in this place? Where do you need for me to serve, to work? And let's let parents be parents first at home. Before we start worship, I also want us to I want us to be aware of a special need we have in our church. You know, we're a family here and we give. But we have a family that's been especially affected by the COVID situation. Very severely. They've been a part of our church for a long, long time. And I want to Help out this family. So the baskets are in the back. When you get ready to leave, I want you to do what you can do to help this this family. They're precious. They're wonderful. They're not lazy. They're hard workers. Income has been lost. And it's a tough time. So just put on your check, impact, family need, or whatever. And it's $5 if it's $500, whatever you can give. Because, you know, the need is real. And sometimes it's giving out of our need. That's the greatest praise for God is when we're giving, you know, to someone that's in need. We love others just as much as we love ourselves. So I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to lead us in a song of worship. And I want you to get engaged, okay? I want you to let your heart be touched. Come on, Donna, you want to say something? up here where you can hear the with the mic, Donna. We can't hear you. Donna's a special ed teacher. Or Good morning, all everyone. teachers are special ed. <laughs> um, I'm a licensed teacher here in North Carolina. I'm licensed in New Jersey. I'm licensed in Reg Ed, special ed, ESL. Um, I'm very much aware of the struggle of students and parents. Okay, um, parents, you guys are doing an impossible job at home. Um, I have the time. If an arrangement can be made, maybe right on on a Saturday or something, where I can have a room, bring your kids to me. I don't do algebra, geometry, chemistry, or physics. Okay, I I can't do that higher ed stuff. Um, But the basics, I can definitely do. All right, so bring your kids to me. That's what Thank I can you, do Donna. for this church. That's precious. Okay. Thank you. Yes. That's part of being a body, isn't it? So let us know if you have if your child has any type of need, tutorial need. We're happy to help and to assist. It's wonderful. I believe you're a master's level teacher, so she knows what she's doing.
You've been teaching a long time. And Karen, where's Karen? Karen also has a background in teaching. And uh, so we are more than happy. So let's stand and let's, let's worship the Lord. And I, I just want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for just uh, kind of letting us free flow today. And I just believe that God is here. I believe God has touched our hearts and he's made a difference.
are you, Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Let's keep that line. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Again. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, everyone. Worthy is the Lamb. God. I was a little undone this morning. And if you talk to me, I don't want you, if you need to sit, sit, but if you can stand, stay engaged because I feel like we're going to go somewhere. But I was undone this morning. If you try to talk to me, I was a little odd because of something that the Lord showed me was kind of rattled me a little bit. Well, I had a dream. I'm going to tell you the short version of the dream last night. And I didn't think it was anything prophetic. I just disregarded it first thing I woke up. And then on the way to church, I started talking about it to Nicole. And I started getting some stuff. The dream started out. I was walking to a house. It was to a mother and a daughter. I was going to talk to them. As I was walking on, for some reason I was walking. I was walking to the house. It was about two or three miles. The road was stone. It was a stone type of road. As I got closer to the house, a dark storm started to arise. And I believe it was trying to get me to turn around. It was very spiritual. It was a spiritual darkness. And to be honest with you, I did turn around in the dream for a moment. But the Lord told me to turn around, face the storm. As I did, I was carrying a stick. You could say a staff if you would like. As I was carrying it, every time I hit the road, an explosion happened. And it was thunderous. It was like a thunder right here in my ear. Every time... Each step I got closer to darkness grew, but louder I got every time I struck the ground. I'm going to let you take that. I ain't going to read in too much of that. As it was breaking up a hard, rocky ground. 
There's the darkness in the world that's trying to put a fear. This is why I got the interpretation. Darkness in the world, in the world that's trying to put fear in the church. The darkness is trying to oppress generations. Not just one. Generations. They're trying to start. The darkness is trying to stop the harvest of souls from coming. But. 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 But it's telling the church in this hour to stop hiding. Turn around and face the darkness. Walk in my authority. The harvest is to be taken. The commission. The Lord has commissioned us to go for you are to change the atmosphere. So as you worship, as we worship a little bit more, this is the reason we praise. We are not a defeated foe. We are victorious. And there is a generation and generations that are to be taken. The enemy has lost. He has lost. He has lost. He has lost. This is why we praise our kings of kings, the Lord of lords, because we are victorious. Every teenager in here, the Lord is wanting to do something amazing in you. He has called you to do something amazing. Every single one of you. So I would like to continue to praise a little bit more because we serve an awesome God. Devil, no more. The harvest is ours. We're calling the harvest in Cabarrus County. It is ours. You have to come in the name of Jesus. When we were listening to Chuck Pierce and Cindy Jacobs yesterday, a couple things. Honey, I want you to help me with that one. But he said that just a couple years ago, CNN reported that in 10 years, by 2030, China would be the mega power in the globe. But it's been reported now because of the COVID virus and how things have accelerated. Now they're saying it will be 2026. Six years. But church... The church can stop this. The church can reverse this. It is up to us. It is up to our praise. If we enter into the heavens, we can stop the enemy's plans for this nation and for the world. One other thing that he said, Pastor Zach, was that, and I can't remember it exactly, so if somebody remembers it better because we were driving, but basically it's we have to face the storm. We have to roar to the storm. We can't turn our back and run away. You know, we have to face, we are, we are greater than the powers of darkness. And there's a generation that the enemy, generations the enemy is trying to take out through just frustration, defeat, fears, trying to steal the hearts and the affections of our children. And we have to say, no, we're not going to allow it. Pastor Zach, he had a slide. It was opposing forces, the Lion of Judah in a roar going after the enemy. But the enemy was on the opposing side as a dragon coming after the Lion of Judah. But that's where the praise enters in. But he specifically spoke to the next generation. And he said they're trying to take out the forces of evil are trying to destroy the younger generations. And the Lion of Judah has to go forth. We have to praise. We have to stop 
the madness and the plans of the enemies. Pastor Zach, I know you got something. I would like to invite everyone to come up here. It's time to release our sound. I know you got our God is an awesome God. Can we jump right in in that? I would like to invite everyone because we're going to let the principality and darkness to hear our voice. We're going to release the sound of Judah up in here. We're going to release it in our community. So come on, let's praise the Lord of Lords, the Kings of Kings. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. God he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. as a war cry. I need your drums. You're an awesome God.
on. There we go. I felt as we were singing that song that some of you have been beating your head against the wall. And you're thinking, am I ever going to get a crack in the wall? Am I ever going to get the victory? Am I ever going to get there? Just continue declaring how awesome your God is. And he's going to cause a breach to come in that wall. And it's just, it's going to be like when the dam breaks. And all that force behind it is just going to break right through. And it's going to happen so quickly. Just don't give up. Just keep declaring who he is. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. You're worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We bless you, Lord. Jesus, the name above every name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. And you are holy. No one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around.
experience but this is like a declaration type of thing I got a few weeks ago I think this is a good way to end devil we are putting you on notice we are awake we are on the move we're ready for battle we are accepting the invitation to join our God in action for my God has called us to destroy every work of the devil The sleeping giant is awake. Who is this sleeping giant? My remnant church. The ones that have tucked away for such as a time as now. That's you. That's you, Impact Church. That's you who's watching the remnant church. The ones that he has tucked away for such as a time as now. The ones that will give me all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. That's God. Giving him all the glory, honor, and praise. I am giving you a new level of a breaker anointing. Pay attention. Listen closely. I will show you when to use it, says the Lord. For we are about to change the world. Are you ready? Are you ready to change the world? Let's give another praise. Come on. We love you guys. Go out victorious. Upon your love, it is a 